You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to Strange Familiars. How are you doing this afternoon, Allison? Yes, the rare daytime recording. Yes, because I put it off to the last moment. <laughs> so we're practically live. <laughs> On tonight's show, I'm going to be talking to Dave, who saw a diminutive flannel man. Which is kind of out of the ordinary. Yeah. Even by flannel man standards, because normally he's sort of a hulking presence that's larger than life. Yeah, it's very interesting. The details that Dave gives, and, and I have trouble not suggesting and leading the witness into other conclusions. So, yeah. I, Sometimes I, you just see a small flannel man. Sometimes a flannel man is just a flannel man. I was biting my tongue, but he also has a black dog incident to go oh, along. Oh, here we go. Not at the same time, a separate black dog incident. And then, you know, we talk about some other strangeness as well. One of the interesting things about Dave's account is he said he didn't really think it was that weird or that big of a deal he and his wife were Strange Familiars listeners, and he mentioned it offhandedly one day. And his wife says, what are, you, 
you need to tell Tim this. <laughs> like, you, you need to tell Tim. He's like, it's not really a big deal. And she's like, yes, it is. Like and when then, my dad forgot to tell you about the uh, lights he saw the cemetery. Yeah, the orbs in the cemetery. He didn't tell me for months. Yeah, so I think Dave has come around and realized, like, yeah, this was indeed pretty weird to have a small flannel man walk into my room. So we'll hear his stories. After that, I am going to talk to Octavian. If you remember a couple episodes back, Octavian and I went to Gazoo's Woods and had a very strange day. He went back this past Saturday, and he had set up this gifting area. I left a hagstone and a bell there tied to the tree. He came back, and it was absolutely destroyed. The tree was completely just blown apart, and, and there's stuff there that we didn't leave. He had started sending me photos from Gazoo's Woods on Saturday. I didn't know he was going, or I might have met him out there, but pretty crazy stuff. I wanted to get the update on that, so we'll be hearing from Octavian after we talk to Dave. But let's go ahead and get to Dave's stories. Tonight we're talking with Dave, who's got a few stories to share with us, including a flannel gnome, which I'm excited to hear about, and a black dog and more. How are you doing tonight, Dave? I'm good. Good. Thank you. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm very excited to get these stories. I think your wife kind of convinced you to come on. You didn't think it was such a big deal, a flannel gnome. And and I went a little bit crazy when I heard about it. It's like, no, 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 I must have this. Well, I I have to make a clarification. I never said gnome. Okay. The gnome would not be correct. Okay. (laughs) Is this a misreading on my part or is that how she described it? But no, she absolutely did put gnome in the Discord chat or whatever. But I wouldn't have said gnome. Okay. Well, does it make sense to start with that story or does it make sense to start somewhere else? Oh, sure. Let's go ahead and start with that. Okay. Well, you know, as a little bit of a framework, I'm going to say uh, Kate and I have been together for a while and part of the like touch point that we really connected on was I've had a lot of weird things happen in my life and so has she. And we've shared stories, you know, we've been together for nearly 20 years. And and so now when we share stories, it's like, well, you know, my story of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I promise this is relevant. <laughs> we were watching one of the, the Newkirk's live streams. Mm-hmm. Somebody brought up little people showing up in somebody's bedroom. And I offhandedly said, oh, yeah, you know my story about that. And my wife said, wait, what? It's like, oh, you know, the like, like not little, but like three and a half foot tall guy that came in and stared at me. She's going, wait, what? (laughs) And then I had to tell her the story. And it turns out I had never told her. And again, I'll say, I promise it's relevant that I'm saying that. But I, I guess I'll just jump into the actual story. When I was a kid, I had a really high metabolism and I had a strange sleeping pattern of like sleep for four to five hours a night for several days in a row and then catch up on sleep for a few days and then do the same. But my mom, she was often working like three part-time jobs and I never wanted to keep her awake. So I'd stay up reading until like midnight and then I always tried to shut the lights off at midnight. And often I would just lay in bed, staring at the ceiling, thinking about what I'd been reading or the day or whatever, you know, until boredom became sleepiness and I'd Mm -hmm. finally fall asleep. One night, 
And this is like 1986-ish in a little town north of Denver. I'm just laying there staring at the ceiling, wide awake, and I saw something out of the corner of my eye. And I turned my head and I saw a foot enter the room and then somebody walked into my room and just very normal kind of walking, except actually there was kind of a gliding aspect to it, Hmm. but they were walking normally, you know, one foot in front of the other. And the other strange part of it was that it's almost like the walking was a little bit out of sync. Like it was 90% speed when the rest of the world was at 100 speed. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was obviously very odd, and I'm just watching it happen. My dresser was right there. So he comes in, and he kind of walks around my dresser and stops like three or four feet from my bed. And because he's next to my dresser, I can tell he's about three and a half feet tall, I'd say. And the height is why why my wife said gnome, but I, I wouldn't say gnome at all. He actually proportionally looked pretty normal. Like if you saw him at five foot tall walking down the street, you wouldn't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. But he was only about three and a half feet tall. And he had wispy gray hair, messy, and kind of big eyes, but not crazy abnormal big, just kind of big. And his head was round and maybe a little bit bigger than you might expect on on most people, but still not like out of proportion. And he had a big bulby nose, like an older person who had been an alcoholic for a while might have. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And he was wearing, this is all just so clear to me. He was wearing old work boots like super old leather work boots. And his pant cuff was up a little bit on one side. Weird little details. But the boot was tied, but loosely. So it reminded me of the kind of person who just kind of pushes his shoes off at night and just pushes his feet back into them in the morning. Yeah, yeah. But really old work boots and really old style, like tan rough pants. And then standard black and red flannel. And that, of course, was the part that got my wife's attention. Right, right. And I've listened to the show enough that I've heard some of the Flannel Man stories, but I had never made that connection. And he just came in, stared at me with no expression whatsoever on his face, and old, like like more wrinkles than you could ever imagine being on a person kind of old. And his eyes were dark, not like black eyes, but just dark. And uh, after a while, poof, just gone. Like nothing happened. It's just one minute he's there and the next he's not. And I'd say the entire thing was probably inside 30 seconds, but at the time it seemed like several minutes. How old are you at this point? I'd say... 16-ish. Oh, okay. All right. So I I wasn't a little kid. Yeah. Now, are you frightened at all? Like That's part of this is I have the memory of an intellectual aspect of thinking I should be frightened, but I'm not. As a matter of fact, after he disappeared, 
I just went back to laying there in bed thinking, huh, that was kind of weird. Huh. I should tell my friend Scott about it because Scott was a weirdo that was like my best friend. But the thing is, the next day, I didn't ever tell him about it. It came to mind several times, but it just didn't seem that relevant or even that weird the next day. Huh. And this is where I was saying that, you know, my wife and I tell each other a lot of stories about weird stuff that's happened between us is I think I've never actually said it out loud because there's something in my brain that says it's not that big a deal. It's not that weird. If I had to make a list of the 10 weirdest things that have happened to me, it wouldn't even made the top 10. Really? But now, <laughs> now that I've discussed it with somebody, it's way up there in okay. the top three, easily. Okay, yeah. And there's a couple aspects that make it weirder for me. I mean, just having some strange little person come into your room and stare at you is weird enough. But that's not actually the weird part to me. One is that I saw the movement out of the corner of my eye about 10 seconds before he came in. So I'm not sure what made me turn my head, but it was before he came in. And two, even though it was dark and my room was really dark, I could see him clearly as if he were standing in early twilight kind of lighting. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't make any sense, but it was definitely, I could see every detail. And then the most odd thing about it is that I, for 30 years, more than 30 years, have remembered it in minute detail, and yet never really thought it was strange enough to mention to anybody. Wow. And so I can't help but think that there was a bit of glamour or something going on there. Maybe, yeah. Because it was definitely weird, <laughs> but I couldn't, you know, later on, remembering it it just didn't seem weird enough to share a couple things you said there on i think it was the most recent patron episode i was talking with my wife about her flannel man sighting again and she mentioned that very similar thing about somehow even though the room was all dark being able to see him yeah so, so that's really really interesting and she said the same thing about the black dog she saw in the same room when she was a kid she said even though it was dark she could see him i don't know what that is so he walked through the door. Was the door open and he just kind of stepped through? Oh, right. Yeah, the door was open. Okay. So he just walked through the open doorway. Yeah, but some movement before that caught your attention, before he actually came through. Right. And I also kind of want to say with the, the lighting thing, it's not as if he was glowing. Mm -hmm. you know, it, he didn't have like an inner light or anything crazy like that. He just seemed to be in a different lighted environment than I was. Right, right. And so I, I had considered, you know, maybe if I could see him so clearly, maybe there was some sort of light that preceded him. But no, that's not really what it was. It's almost as if there was some sort of warning ahead of time that made me turn and look. How far away from you was he when he was staring at you? I'd say about four feet away. And are you regarding him, just staring right at him, or are you kind of trying not to look right at him at this time? Again, it, it didn't seem like that big a deal. So I was staring right at him. And another aspect I, 
I guess, is that he wasn't staring at my face so much. Like we weren't locking eyes. Mm -hmm. I was definitely staring at his face and general figure, but he seemed to be just staring in my general direction and no expression. Wow. Did you, at this time of your life, or really any time of your life, did you have sleep paralysis? No, I never have. Interesting. Yeah. Wouldn't say we could chalk it up to sleep paralysis. Wow. No, I've I've had some strange sleep things, <laughs> but never uh, sleep paralysis. I've like my my ex who I was with for several years. She had a lot of sleep paralysis issues, and she had that uh, what was it, the old lady, mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of thing. And so we looked into it a lot. I've really thought about it, and I can't ever imagine anything that I would think is sleep paralysis for myself. Do the black dogs work into this, or are they, are they a separate thing? Or black dog? I'm not sure if it's dog or dogs. It's actually a separate story. So fast forward a couple of years, and I'm in college, and me and and uh, that same ex, actually, we met somebody, and we were walking along the the dike bank along the river in our college town, and this person that was with us knew a lot about the plants and stuff. So that was the whole point. We went out there and she could show us like urban foraging. And we walked for long enough that it got to full dark. And the college town I was in, it, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It, it's in a high alpine desert in Southern Colorado, where if you stare at the sky, you can see satellites in the middle of town. It's pretty dark. Mm. And we're walking along and I see this black dog up ahead of us, probably probably 50 feet away, and it's running towards us. And I would say the same thing that your wife said. Once again, given that it was a black dog and it was really dark out, I could see it pretty clearly. And I'm the kind of person that if a dog's going to come up to me, I'm going to kneel down and, and just jump into petting the dog. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Me too. Yeah. So I started to do that. I'm like, oh, hey, dog. And I I start kneeling down and I'm in the middle of uh, these two other people. And they saw it too. As I started to kneel down, all of a sudden it started barking. And really all I saw at that point was a lot of teeth. And it was coming right at me. And I jumped backwards, just landing on my, my back because and it was all kind of awkward, and it was gone. Hmm. And all three of us were stunned. Like, where did the dog go? It was a narrow path. There's nowhere it could have gone. It just was no longer there. Was this full nighttime or twilight? It was full nighttime. Full nighttime at this point. Okay. Huh. And nothing else strange about it that was you know like glowing red eyes or anything like that i wouldn't say no the eyes look pretty normal except for the fact that i could you know actually see them Mm -hmm. dark and my night vision was pretty good as a kid but that was a bit much yeah did they see it just disappear just go poof or does it they they actually jumped away the same way i did Mm -hmm. and it was like in that moment we were all just so startled that for a second we were just turning around, like trying to figure out where it had gone down the path. And then we realized, no, it's it's just 
gone. Wow. Huh. Now, did you continue down that path? We did, because that was the direction we needed to go. And uh, going back the other way didn't seem any better than going forward. Mm -hmm. So we just continued on and chatted about how strange it was and went on with our evening. Didn't encounter anything terrifying down the path or... or, uh... No. And, you know, our friend, she was like, you know, in olden times, they would have said that was like the harbinger of, of somebody is going to die that you know. But luckily, that didn't happen. <laughs> so, you know, good news there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was thinking of some of the stories where they say that the black dogs are trying to warn people off the path, and there's something ahead that, you know, they're trying to warn you away from. And who knows? Maybe there was. Maybe he held you up just enough, just long enough where uh, you missed whatever it was. Maybe there was a cougar hanging out there or something. Yeah, I, I hadn't considered that. That's an interesting thought. You know, all these years, I, I didn't know what to make of it, but I'll go ahead and just look back and say, well, okay, thank you, Black Dog. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, it wasn't, you know, he didn't end up biting you. So I, I'd say other than just startling you when he started barking, you know, you can put that down as a positive. Yeah. Generally positive experience. Well, when did these weird experiences happen? You said you had a, a, quite a few. When did they start happening for you? Honestly, when I was born. <laughs> I know that's a bit silly because, you know, who remembers their infancy? But now I have to wonder how much detail I want to get into. But my mom would say that even before I was verbal, I seemed to be looking around at things that other people weren't seeing, kind of like, you know, if you have a cat and it's staying right. at something for a long time, I would do that. There was also, I would see creatures. And my mom was okay with it. I've met people who, you know, they saw weird things and their parents got them on, you know, antipsychotic drugs and things. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, quote unquote, got over it pretty quickly. Well, I I feel really blessed that my mom actually thought it was pretty cool. And we just called them my monsters. And occasionally I'd see a weird thing and I'd tell her about it. There were a couple that were static and kind of reliable. (laughs) Like there was a refinery when we drove to Denver, there'd be this refinery and, and there was a smokestack that a fire came out of and Nearly every time, not every time, but nearly every time, as we drove by, I could see a figure on the top of the smokestack, just usually sitting there or standing there. And when I stared at it for a while, suddenly I'd get the impression that it knew I could see it. And it would start dancing around and like jumping over the fire. And this was as clear to you as, you know, if if you had seen a a bird alongside the road or, or another animal? There's always something that lets me know that it's different than normal, which is good because, you know, at some point in my life, I started driving and it would be a real hazard otherwise. True. Yeah. Yeah. Often it's the, uh, what I sometimes call the predator effect, but I'm, what I'm talking about is the movie predator mm-hmm. or like the uh, the wavy lines you'll see on a hot day off of coming off of cement. Yes. Even when I see an actual thing, it'll have some of that effect on it. And most of the time, I was usually just seeing that effect in a shape. 
And did this continue, you know, through into adulthood or did this kind of fade as you got older? It still happens now, but really rarely. It definitely happened. Okay, there's a story that involves both me and my wife. We went to a place called Bishop's Castle in in Colorado, which is uh, very much worth looking up. This guy just built an entire castle stone by stone himself. It's got a big dragon on top. It's awesome. But some friends of ours were doing their uh, engagement party at Bishop's Castle. And we showed up and looked around. And then we were going to walk over to their campsite. And doing so meant walking by this beautiful, lush forest area. And at one point, we stopped and we're staring into this lush, beautiful area, Colorado lush, not so much like where you are. I imagine <laughs> it's a lot greener where you are. But uh, my wife says, you know, if there's fairies here, they'd probably be right here. And right as she says that, I'm noticing that that wavery kind of effect on a tree branch. And then it jumped off the tree branch and I saw the branch move. And then it was moving toward us and the the grass was moving, not as if somebody was tromping through it, but as if a breeze was moving through it. Mm-hmm. I was staring at it going, oh, I'm seeing one of those things. And I'm not that freaked out about it, except suddenly my wife went, what the heck? And we both looked at each other and we're like, you saw that? <laughs> and so... This was one of those moments where it wasn't just me that saw it, but we both saw it. And it just went right past us onto, you know, gravel, so couldn't see it anymore. But that was, you know, I was easily in my probably late 30s at that point, I'm thinking. Yeah. I wonder sometimes if it's easier for us, us and the general us, I'm I'm talking, to see these things as children, if, if there's a... You know, not to say they're imaginary, but if there's an imaginal component to it, if we are just more open to it, in a sense, as children, and it's just easier for us to, you know, pick these things out, in a sense. I don't know. Absolutely. And I I think part of the reason these things have happened so much for me is because my mom was so accepting of it. As a matter of fact, I, I might even say she was a little encouraging of it because she thought it was neat. She didn't think it was real. Uh, I don't know what she thinks now, but but she thought it was fun. And because of that, it was okay for me to express it and continue seeing these things. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly believe that everybody has a lot of weird experiences. It's just that most people, were we're trained not to accept it, so they modify it in their brain it gets filtered through the acceptable behavior kind of area of your brain and so you just don't think of it yeah yeah absolutely if i were to take a a hard skeptic to some of these places where we see lights they would say that they're anything but weird you know and i would say well what are they then you need to explain what they are and you know they would just never accept it if they could see them at all, they, they might not even be, you know, might be the kind of thing where they go out there and say, no, I don't see what you're talking about. Right, right. I think I've even experienced that. <laughs> oh, really? With, yeah, where, with, with light specifically or with something else? Well, uh, there was a, uh, in Alamosa, 
when I was talking about it, it gets really dark and you can see satellites go by. There were nights in Alamosa where we'd lay around and we'd watch for UFOs. It's kind of a UFO heavy area. Uh, it's where the first unusual animal deaths occurred in the US, or at least that's what I'm told, as in cattle mutilations. Gotcha. But we would just go out to a dark place and, you know, lay on our backs and stare at the sky. And I never saw anything overt, like, like orbs flying around or anything like that. But you could see these tiny pinpricks of light going across the sky, and those would be satellites. And then you'd see one that would move in ways that a satellite couldn't. Mm -hmm. And we would just speculate on what it was. And if there was a hardcore skeptic with us, they would say, no, that's not what it's doing. Mm. But it would be very clear to all the rest of us that like, no, that that one went in a whole semicircle. I'm really certain satellites don't do that. Right, right. Yeah, they have a pretty prescribed path. Yeah. Where I went to school was the San Luis Valley in, in Colorado. And there's a lot of strange things that happen there too. It's a pretty touched place. But um, another kind of interesting thing that Kate picked out was once while I was down there, one of the local girls who went to school there and a group of us, uh, she wanted to take us out to this place where they would hang out when they were in high school. And you could drive out for a while and it's like, it's high Alpine desert and it's all scrub and, you know, some bushes and you can drive for a while, but after a while, there's no road and, and you can't drive anymore. And it's uh, pretty late. And we get there and we park the car and we walk for a couple of miles in the dark. And we get to this place where there used to be a bridge over a little river. And apparently that was just a place to hang out when she was a kid. And we're sitting there and we're chatting and then... We just all got really quiet. One of those moments where a stillness came over all of us. And then we heard what sounded like a car door slamming. Mm. <laughs> I've but heard that. Not in the direction of our car. Mm -hmm. And the first thing we did was look back at, in the direction of where our car was because, you know, you don't want somebody messing with your car. But we all looked at each other. We're like, you heard that too? And we all pointed in the opposite direction across the river into wide open nothingness. There's no way there was a car out there. There's like, you couldn't get a car out there. And even if you could, it was so dark that we would have seen headlights or mm -hmm. an interior light or something. And we kept hearing the sounds of like a loud car door being shut. Oh, you heard it more than once? probably seven or eight times. Oh, wow. And one person thought that they were like muffled little explosions, but I thought that was a bit much. To me, it sounded like a car door shutting. Yeah. See, I've, I've heard it twice. Both times I was in a gorge where there's, you just couldn't get a car in there. You just, no way. One time I was by the river and I did look to actually see if there was a boat you know, I thought maybe maybe this boat has a door that's like a car door or something. And it's on the river, but I looked all up and down the river. There was nothing on the river at that point. There was nothing beside us. So, And the other time we were just, just in this gorge. There was no way. There's no way anybody could get a car in there. 
Yeah, I've definitely heard that. That's one of the ones that John Keel would talk about, the car door slamming sound. That and baby crying, he said, were the two uh, most frequently reported anomalous sounds. Baby crying. That's, yeah, that's a crazy one. If I ever hear that, I always attribute it to like coyotes because they make some crazy noises and often they can do like baby crying kind of noises. But sometimes it really sounds like a baby. If you have a puppy and you need help with training for things like potty training, mouthing and biting, fear and nervousness, barking, chewing on furniture, shoes, and other things your puppy shouldn't be chewing on, crate training, hyperactivity issue, leash training, and more, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you. They have a relationship-based approach that helps you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They can teach you what to do and also what not to do. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy has online sources like video lessons, a secret Facebook group. One-on-one options are, of course, available. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. Let 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy help you understand how your dog thinks and apply proactive training methods so you and your puppy can become perfect for each other. Once again, you can find 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy at sithappens.us, look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. When I was much younger, like eight, there was once when my mom was like, you have to take a bath, you have to take a bath, you have to take a bath. I was putting it off and putting it off. And then I was going to go to bed and she's like, nope, you put it off all day. I don't care. You have to take a bath. I don't care how late it is. Go do it. And I'm like, oh, fine. And I, I filled up the tub and got in. And then after a little while of being in there, I suddenly got this, this building fear and there was this tiny little like like nine inch by nine inch window above the bathtub. The place we lived in, that window outside would have been about 10 or 12 feet off the ground. And inside it was just high enough that I'd have to like stand on my tiptoes as a kid to look out it. But I just got this wash of fear. And I was certain that there was an old hag looking in the window. And this is kind of a silly story because honestly, I never saw anything, but I was certain she was there. And then after 10 minutes of feeling like I was a prisoner in this tub with the water getting super cold and, you know, I couldn't like get out of the tub or, or turn the hot water on to warm up. When my mom banged on the door going, are you still in there? And all of a sudden the whole thing dropped like like a curtain dropping mm-hmm. and and I felt fine and I'm like yes and I jumped up put a towel around me and ran out of the bathroom and like I said I never saw anything but the feeling was one of the most intense feelings I've ever had and did you ever have that before or after that no see that's the interesting part yeah I did tell somebody about that one of my 
neighborhood friends. And that sort of leads into another one of my wife's favorite stories, which is my friend said it was the lady from the railroad tracks. And there was a, uh, a story about a woman who wanted to marry the devil. It's such a cheesy story. And so she put on a wedding dress and, and went out to the railroad tracks where she was supposed to meet him. And of course, it was a big trick and she got ran over by the train. And then she's cursed to walk up and down the tracks. Well, the reason I heard this story as a kid was because I was about five years old. And I would occasionally see like off in the distance, like wisps of, of white fabric moving around. Mm-hmm. And I could swear it was a person. And I said something about it. And my my brother and sisters laughed at me and they're like, oh, you're seeing the lady on the railroad tracks. And I was like, wait, what? what are we talking about? And then I heard the story. And, you know, as an adult, I'm thinking that was a good story to keep kids off the railroad tracks, especially at night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, I really was seeing something out there before I heard the story. So I'm theorizing, but I kind of feel like decades of that story being told kind of turned into something. Yes. And I I didn't want to mess with it. I don't know. Obviously, I don't I don't know. But I've had the same thought about so much of these local folklore stories that I can find no evidence for a lot of these stories. I'm, I did it with the the witch cloud, the haunted bridges. And there's another uh, story about another haunted bridge I'm pursuing right now. And it's just, you know, suppose a car accident on the bridge and a woman lost her arm trying to hold on as the car went over the bridge. And, you know, she supposedly haunts the bridge looking for her lost arm. You know, you see a, a one-armed specter or something. And there's no no record of this accident ever happening. You know, I can find no record whatsoever. But yet, you know, people report seeing these things over and over again and just begin to wonder, like, what is it about these stories or, or the crybaby bridges all over the United States where people, you know, it's this very similar story and there's no way that many school buses full of kids, you know, cr- <laughs> crash. But... Yeah, these stories get this energy put into them over years and years, I think, of people telling them. And and, uh, yeah, I think there's something that happens with them. It kind of makes me cognizant of what stories I tell. Mm, Yeah. You know, what am I feeding? Yeah. Going back to when I was like 10, some kids moved into the neighborhood into uh, this house that had been sitting empty for a little while and they were my age and so I made friends with them and would hang out and the mom was really happy that they were making friends so she insisted that I come stay the night at their place we you know do whatever dumb little kids do and then we went to bed and I'm laying there thinking oh I need to use the bathroom and I get up and go to the door of their room and lean my head out and I can hear water running that's weird. Why is somebody taking a bath in the middle of the night? And I go back and lay down and my bladder after a while says, nope, this (laughs) has got to happen. So get up again. And I look down the hallway and I realize the bathroom door is open and there aren't any lights on. I'm like, that's weird. And I go charging down there and, and there's nobody in there, but the bathtub water is running. And so I do my thing, shut the water off and go back to bed. And the next day I'm like, hey, your water was running last night. 
And she's like, ah, oh, and shakes her head. That keeps happening. Hmm. It's so annoying. Well, I got home and, you know, my sister is there and she's like, well, how was that? And I told her all the dumb stuff. And then I told her, it's kind of weird. They're having a plumbing problem. The water keeps running in the bathtub. And she said, oh, that was where Mike died. Ah. Mike who? And my sister is eight years older than me. And so this guy that was like in the grade above her killed himself in that bathtub. And then his family moved out and it sat empty for a while. And then these people moved in and the water keeps coming on. And of course, I had to rush back and tell them that. And then they moved out soon after. Back in Alamosa, where I went to college, my girlfriend at the time was doing photography and finals were coming up and she needed to go into the she had access to the the art building and she needed to go into the dark room there and she's like but i don't want to go by myself nobody's over there it's dark so me and my friend went with her and we're just hanging out in the hallway chatting or staring or whatever because it's really late at night And the janitor comes down the hallway and he looks kind of annoyed that we're there. And he's got this big ring of keys and he looks at it and sort of grumbles and goes by us, goes into the bathroom. I never realized how many of my stories involve the bathroom. (laughs) But he went in the bathroom and after a while, he didn't come out. And I'm going, well... Now I have to use the bathroom and he's probably in there cleaning it. And I went in there and there was nobody in there. Mm. And he had one of those carts, you know, that has all the cleaning stuff on it. And he was pushing that and he dragged it into the bathroom. And I thought, oh, okay, there's this door over here. And I opened it and it was just a door of shelves. It just supplies and looked all over the place and there was nowhere he could have gone. And I came back out and I'm like, so, Scott, you really saw that guy, right? That wasn't just me. He's like, yeah, what? And the next day, I tell somebody about it, and they said, you saw the janitor. And apparently it's a thing oh, wow. on that campus where there was a janitor that just worked there until he died, and people would occasionally still see him. Huh. Which is kind of sad in a way. I mean, I don't want to keep working my job long after I die. That sucks. Yeah, right. Well, maybe it's just a residual thing. You know, maybe we, you're just seeing the a replay in a sense. Right. Like a, an echo or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of already answered this when we talked about it before. But for people who have no experience and they listen to someone who's, who's had, you know, quite a few, why? Why do you think that is? Like, why me in particular, or why? Yeah, not? yeah, yeah. Why, why you? Since we're since we're talking about your stories, you know, I I kind of touched on why not them mm-hmm. because I I believe they do have these things, right? Uh, well, you know, to a degree, some people more than others. Um, you know, I I also was medicated as an infant for some seizures, Mm -hmm. but they weren't really seizures. They were me doing that, like spacing out and being kind of unresponsive. Mm -hmm. And my mom decided that after just 
a little while of of giving her infant child medication, she's like, this is not right. And just stopped and just paid attention to where my eyes are going and said, okay, he's seeing something that the rest of us aren't. That's fine. You know, she grew up in the mountains out in the middle of nowhere. And she kind of had that crazy old mountain people (laughs) attitude about it. And I think the fact that she was so open to the weirdness that it was fine for me to have the weirdness. So I was open to it myself. And I think the more open to it you are, the more it's attracted to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would tend to agree. We've we've called it the Ring of Sauron. You know, you put it on, and and the and the big eye of the other turns and looks at you like, oh, okay, I see you. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's you know that makes it sound like a negative thing. It's not always negative. I would say the percentage of negative and positive is probably the same percentage in you dealing with humanity. You know, it's a good mix of both. Exactly that. I generally think the same. I think if you're clo- if you close yourself to it and you just say, oh, it's all nonsense. It can break through sometimes, and those tend to be, I think, the people that are, you know, get the really, really harrowing things because they're just no way, no how, you know, ready for it. Right. But uh, most of the time, I think when people just close down and say, no, that's that's all nonsense, well, you're not going to get it. You know, and then there's people who are open to it who want to experience things and don't, and to them, I say, you know, just keep at it, you know, put yourself in, in the places that this stuff occurs and eventually something's going to happen. But even those people like, um, Josh had told me like, well, I never really had anything happen. Then he started telling me these other stories of like, you know, him going to haunted places and the, all these things happen. I was like, wait a minute. Then you did have things happen. You did have things happen. You're just, you know, you're discounting them for one reason or another. Right. I think that's so common. I've talked to people at various times throughout my life where exactly that happens over and over again. No, no, nothing weird. And then it just starts coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. the the gateway is usually if you ask people if they have a ghost story. And ghost stories, for some reason, are a little bit easier for people to handle. Mm-hmm. And then the... You know, like the high strange stuff starts coming out after that. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever get any other uh, of these, we call them these nighttime invaders, like the uh, short fellow, we'll call him, we won't call him a gnome anymore, the short fellow <laughs> in the flannel shirt. Did you ever get any other nighttime invaders like that? Uh, you know, actually, I was thinking maybe there were some possibilities, but I just got kind of thrown off by something. Um, you know, I in various places that I've lived have woken up in the night or the day after suddenly had a memory of that moment with the little flannel guy and just thought of it as, Oh yeah, I remember when that happened. Mm -hmm. But now, now that I'm thinking of the way that that event kind of suppressed my ability to really think about what was happening Now I'm wondering if it happened again and it just got pushed into being a memory of the first time. Yeah. I I had to tread carefully here because I don't want to, you know, lead the witness, so to speak. But uh, yeah, I've I've wondered similar things and parts of your description of them have have made me wonder. Like, I wonder if something else is going on there. Actually, as, as that occurred to me, I got... I got kind of a tingly feeling all over and it 
it seems like a thing. And you were here to see me realize it. <laughs> <laughs> well, for I, yeah, I hope it's for better and not for worse. I, you know, it doesn't seem like a bad thing. It just seems like a hard to understand thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and these whatever they are, and I've I've had you know a few of them myself, and again suspicions like you, suspicions that I have more often than than I've realized. But the times I've realized it. You know, on one hand, they seem more real than your nightstand. And on the other, there's something off about. Right. There's that quality that says something isn't right about this. And it's sometimes kind of hard to pin down what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And like when you mentioned like the speed was off, but not, you know, not like it was in slow motion. It was just off. That seems right in a way to me. Like when I'm when I'm thinking about mine, it's like, yeah, there's something about the way they move. It's like it's not in sync with us. Right. And, you know, kind of an odd aspect of that is I know that to be the case, but it's not like there was anything else moving in my room that I could judge it against. But I absolutely know that it was kind of the wrong speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you've spoken to a lot of people and heard a lot of stories. Do you have any any recurring theories that you think these things are? I allow myself to change daily on this. I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I, think, I think there's something about that buffalo plaid pattern for sure. And this is based on, I, I, I draw a lot of it. You know, and uh, one night I was doing a particularly intense drawing of buffalo plaid and literally caught something in my uh, peripheral just walk by me in the house. One of the few things I've seen here is that we bought Allison's uh, grandparents' house and her grandmother told us it was haunted. And uh, I've seen two things now, and that was that was one of the two things I've seen. It was just looked like somebody just walked by. In fact, I thought one of my kids was up and I you know went looking like you know, it's two in the morning or whatever. And like, what are they, you know, what's he doing up? There was nothing, nobody. But I was working very intently on this red and black, uh, you know, buffalo plaid kind of pattern in this drawing. So I think there's something to that. I think that's why these entities show up wearing it. But what it is exactly, I don't know. Yeah, I I think for me that, well, when I was a kid, you know, before the 90s, when plaid got so popular among the alternative youth, I think that I always associated that pattern of plaid as being something that old people wore as a work shirt. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it had like a, an old timey kind of feeling. I wouldn't say that anymore, but at the time it did. So it was like a, a harken back to previous times in a way. Yeah. Is there, any chance that there's a connection to people's sightings, including your own, and mining country? Well, that's another thing I've gotten into. It's what I call buried treasure theory. One of the things when I find these places where people are having repeat encounters or the you know so-called window areas where people are having encounters with multiple different things, one of the things I look for is something buried in the ground or someplace where people have been digging into the ground like a mine anything like that, or, you know, stories of buried treasure, et cetera, et cetera. And it's coming up with as much frequency as creeks was another one, like running water was another thing I would Mm -hmm. check in. But this is coming up 
super frequently now where it's like almost every single time every one of these places i go it's like okay where have people been digging in the ground and you know been spending a lot of time in gettysburg lately and the the whole besides having a number of quarries there i mean there's the whole place that people have been digging in the ground since you know the battle you know they've been digging out relics so mm-hmm. yes i think i think absolutely i think you know the bigfoot sightings all this stuff occurs in your minds all the time right well i get to check that box because the town i grew up in was uh, based on coal mining and as a matter of fact they built the town on top of the mines and at one point the middle school that i went to started sinking and so they filled up the mines with tons of water Mm -hmm. to you know give them a bit more permanence but then they started pulling the water out to use it and things started sinking again (laughs) but yeah that there were coal mines crisscrossed all over the place there yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a ton of activity around that. I just, there's something about digging into the ground. And of course, you if you go back into folklore, you know, what lived underground, you know, fairies lived in the ground, the, you know, the dead lived in the ground, et cetera, et cetera. So many things were you know, attributed to that. But yeah, for my money, that's a big factor. Dave, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Who can say, but I have a feeling that you will see more as these things go. And, uh, Hopefully it's all positive, and if you have more stories, you know where we are. Come back and tell us more. Okay. Thank you. Have a great night. You as well. All right, and now we're going to hear from Octavian again. He had this pretty interesting day out at Gazoo's Woods. He heard some sounds and stuff, too, while he was there, but the stuff he found at that gifting site which was a was kind of a triple tree, three trees grown from one stump, essentially. And it was all torn apart, and then other things were left there. Some very interesting things, as you will hear. Gazoo's Woods continues to bring the weirdness. So let's go ahead and talk to Octavian. I want to welcome Octavian back to Strange Familiars so soon after our last talk. How are you doing, Octavian? I'm doing great. How are you, Tim? I'm doing good. So you went back out to Gazoo's Woods. Was it the following week or was there a weekend in between? I lost track. There was a weekend in between because okay. I ended up going to Pennsylvania to the Poconos like right after our day together. That's right. Yeah. So I don't know what your whole day was, but I know you sent me some pictures that were pretty stunning of some things you found there while it's fresh in your head and while hopefully the story is fresh in everyone's head i want to go over what you found so did you go to the uh quote unquote gifting area first or did you go somewhere else when you first got there oh no i parked my car and i walked all the way up to the where i with the gifting area where you had seen something Mm -hmm. up there okay yeah so for people who listen that's where i saw the thing that was like i don't know like some kind of giant bird thing flying through the woods but it wasn't a bird i mean you know, all these things I'm trying to avoid saying. Yeah. <laughs> saying what I think I saw, I guess. Um, <laughs> because I'm not, you know, I'm not fully sure if what I saw was, was fast and, and moved in a gliding motion and was very big and very wide. So you had kind of established this this tree that was going to be your gifting area. And I said, uh, hey, do you mind if I leave something here? And I left, I left a hagstone and I tied a little bell to a branch. So what did you find when you went back? So when I went back, 
I was trying because I had the original tree marked on my Google Maps. That way, I would know pretty much exactly where it was. Yeah, you had so your, your I, pin dropped in your GPS, so you could basically walk to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the uh, the coordinates for it. Mm-hmm. So I walked to where it was on my phone, and I wasn't seeing it. And the re- reason why I picked out the tree that I did was because it was three tree trunks on one base like one stump yeah without without knowing that by the way that um we choose triple trees to use as gifting spots a lot often not always but often as well so that was it was interesting that you chose that i didn't i forgot to mention that but yeah we call them just triple trees but yeah 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 i didn't know that until just now okay so yeah i found that tree and i was going to make that my offering spot and so when i got there i couldn't find it right away but i noticed a bunch of trees or branches and and trunks were knocked down and so i'm looking around and i didn't really put it together and so i was like all right well let me just leave this in another area that i find suitable and i found a, a very big trunk well, two trunks that had like one trunk that I guess split into two or um, I think it was actually three, but it was like a triple tree that was very, very thick. It was like a full adult tree. Mm-hmm. And so when I looked back, I noticed there was the a triple tree with one tree completely arched over like it was standing up at some point and then it had been bent and then hooked onto another tree way off uh behind it and then there the the middle trunk we'll call it was completely gone like it had been completely torn off the tree and the one that was standing up and seemingly untouched had a a string wrapped around it yeah i'm at home and i just start getting texts from from octavian he's like you know look at this and he starts i'm like wait a minute what do you what are you sending me pictures of? And then you explain the situation to me. So the previous tree, which was not a small tree, it's just smaller than the new one you found. Yeah. This wasn't a sapling. This was a tree that was there. Exactly. Yeah. It's essentially torn apart. Yeah. And I asked you, I said, is my bell there? And I couldn't find it. Yeah. And and you said, but I found the string and you sent me a picture. I said, that's not the string I left. I yeah. left a very thin piece of twine that the bell was tied to, like a completely, it's completely natural, like hemp twine, because I, I don't leave anything unnatural, you know, at, at gifting sites in the woods. It's all, you know. This almost had the quality of a shoelace. Yeah. Yeah. You sent me a picture of them, like, what the heck? Or, or like a, like a hoodie cord or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a different piece of string there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you didn't find the bell or, the, or my string, right? No, or the hagstone. Or the hagstone. All gone. But I, tried very hard to verify that that was the tree that we were using or that I was going to use because I looked all around and I didn't see anything else that looked anything similar to what that tree looked like. Yeah. And this isn't 10 miles deep in the forest. This is kind of, this is right on the trail. Yeah. This is directly off a trail in a fairly open piece of woods. So there's not too many things that you could be mistaken with here. Yeah. And I just, I was looking around and, and then, um, it was just so odd because I was seeing stuff hooked and what I thought was a structure and then it wasn't a structure. And then I looked again and I was like, Oh, okay. There's more to it than I originally saw that is not, it, it didn't fall there. Whatever happened, this was not a natural falling formation. Wow. 
so you're sending me pictures of all of this and, and you know, I'm completely blown away and then uh, you found something else there. Oh yes I did I found our old favorite a, a mylar balloon about five or six steps from the tree amazing um, yeah. and that was not I would have totally noticed that when we were there oh before. absolutely I absolutely would have noticed that before wow <laughs> wow oh my goodness um, did you hear the tapping or anything while you were there well, the best way I can describe it, and I, bel- I, don't, I think I texted it to you, I said that it, that it sounded like there were noises all around me. It was a windy day, but it was very easy to differentiate the sound of a squeaky tree or a, a, a tree knocking into another tree because of the wind. Um, but there were a couple pretty pronounced knocks, and then it sounded like... If you've ever been in a car and you've like the, the the engine's really hot or something like that and you hear kind of like um like a metallic popping sound yeah. as the engine is settling. Yeah, yeah. That's what I heard about four or five feet behind me. In this same area. Yes. Yeah. Genuine weirdness. There's genuine weirdness going on there. And there was something that I didn't tell you about. So the thing that I left there, it was a, um, it's a bowl with, it's like a, I don't know if it's actually wood, but it has a wood staining on it. And on each side of it are runes. Yeah. You put and, a photo of it up somewhere with on Instagram somewhere, somewhere I saw. Yeah. A photo. Yeah. On the strange dominions, uh, Instagram. Okay. And I put in a, it's like a wooden pendant that I must've gotten from some Etsy order. I'm like 90% sure. And then a little, it wasn't a crystal. It was like a gem of some kind that I had had lying around. And due to some other information that I was reading about at the time, I took a, a cone incense. I put it in the um, the bowl, and I, I lit it, and I let it burn and try and get the fragrance to surround the offering site as much as possible. Um, and I waited until it went out. I, I tried to, like stomp it like like really put it out with something with like the base of my key ring or something like that and so after i had texted you uh i waited around for a little while just to see what else i could hear and then i left oh so i left the area and in my mind i got very i guess maybe this is from being in the boy scouts but i got very worried that the incense wasn't out Mm -hmm. and i was like it's windy like it would be just my luck that the bowl would tip over and the whole forest would go up because of my stupid incense and so i drove all the way back i was about to get on the highway from gazoos and i get back and it was out it was fine but on the way up the trail i kept hearing some knocking i was like all right well i don't feel comfortable leaving just yet there's just something i feel like i need to do so i walked back to the area where you and i had seen, well, something near the pavilion. And I checked on the the makeshift bushcraft structures that we had found. Yeah. And I, I decided, hmm, I want to go back to the trail and try and look from where we were standing at what Tim saw, saw and see, like, what I could see. There is now a very pronounced bended tree right in front of that trail exactly where we were standing. Oh, wow. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. That place is truly weird. You know, we had, I guess, some rain and some ice, but we didn't get, like, the crazy ice storm that they said we were going to get. No, not at all. We got a little bit of rain and a little bit of ice. And, again, that triple tree that was torn apart, it wasn't a sapling. Mm -mm. You know? That was not uh, a baby tree. It wasn't a sapling. And it... You can say what you want, but the likelihood of a storm doing what happened to that tree is so far-fetched to me. And to just that tree, it's not like the whole woods were torn down. No. Yeah. It's completely bizarre. Ah, So um, I will go back and check as soon as I can and see what else I can see. I'm very interested to see the bend in the other area. Did you happen to look in those structures? Because I remember we were kind of kicking ourselves for not looking in those structures oh you know what i don't know why that slipped my mind i didn't even think to do that it's okay it slipped our mind that day as well yeah there's a weird i will say that there is a a weird fog that like kind of came over me when i was in that specific area so i don't know if that says anything but so i got this email from a listener i'll read you the subject is gazoo's woods tapping this is from a listener named kim who says, Mr. Renner, I have misophonia. Basically, oral noises immediately ignite my flight or fight response. I have no control over this, and I've walked out of restaurants due to this strange malady. When you played the clips of the tapping, I cringed, and my body tensed. My hands curled into fists. It's my brain's opinion that this tapping is an oral and vocal sound. There are aboriginal languages that involve clicks and the like. Just a thought I wanted to pass on to you. Again, it's just my brain's interpretations of the sounds. So. That's really weird because you did not share this email with me until just now. And I don't believe I've ever mentioned it to you or anyone. My girlfriend suffers from misophonia as well. Whoa. Wow. And it mostly comes up when she's near me when I'm eating cereal. But she cannot be in the room with me. Her mood changes. It's a very, very deep-seated thing. It's not just, oh, I don't like the way that sounds. Like, it affects your emotions. Mm-hmm. So, Did she yeah. happen to listen to the episode? Yes, okay. but I don't think she heard it as as well. I don't think it quite hit her that way. Yeah, well, I'm interested if, um, if she were to put headphones on and listen to that clicking and see what she thinks. I might have to do that now. See if she'll she'll listen to it again with headphones on. That'd be a very interesting experiment. Yeah, because that's really interesting. Not once did I think it was... Well, someone said, you know, crows can click. And again, maybe, but they would have had to follow us all day long, you know, for that to be the case. Yeah, and the the responses we were getting when you were playing with it, um, I don't know, it, it just doesn't quite feel like some animal yeah the one response in particular was the exact pattern i did i wish it would have came through on the recording it just didn't yeah but well octavian thanks again i mean i you know i don't know what to say other than kazoo's is just a very very weird place and i imagine uh i'll be going back i imagine you'll be going back and i imagine we'll be going back together so um absolutely i think a night hike is uh necessary i will see you in the woods give your podcast once again uh, it is Strange Dominions Podcast. Just look up like www.strangedominionspodcast.com. We are on YouTube. We are on Spotify. Anywhere you get your podcasts, we're there. All right. 
thanks for sharing of the update from, from Gazoos because, uh, wow, I had to get that. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Before we get to our curiosity of the week, I want to thank Jason W. for the PayPal donation. Thank you so much, Jason. That is a huge help. If you want to make a PayPal donation to help Strange Familiars, every bid helps. There's a PayPal link in the show notes at strangefamiliars.com. Look for the paypal.me link. You can click on that and make a one-time donation. The other way to help is to become a patron at Patreon, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's many different tiers of support there, but every tier gets extra shows of Strange Familiar. We've been doing two shows for our patrons every month. We have over, I think, 85 of them now. Exclusive patron shows right now. You get those as soon as you sign up, and then we're adding two more every month. It's a great way to help the show. Patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course, we want to thank all of our patrons for their help, because without our patrons, we could not make Strange Familiars. This here newspaper's named after you, Allison. What's that? The Pennsylvania Dutchman. <laughs> the Pennsylvania Dutch lady. This is a fantastic publication. The Pennsylvania Dutchman. This is dated from August 18th, 1949. So a couple of years before you were born. Yeah, a few. <laughs> the Pennsylvania Dutchman, it's the subtitle of it is The Weekly Devoted to Pennsylvania Dutch Culture. It was a weekly newspaper. A weekly newspaper is hard to put out generally, but then to have such a kind of niche. Yeah. I think later on it became just the Dutchman, I think. And then it became 
one of the Pennsylvania Folklore magazines. I forget which one. I don't think it was. I don't think it was Folklore Quarterly. It might have just been Pennsylvania Folklore. I forget. But the, this turned into an actual like Pennsylvania Folklore publication. Eventually, there's a lot of folklore in the Pennsylvania Dutchman. It's not all like 101 things to do with lard, which is what you would assume no, Pennsylvania there, Dutchman would be There about. are some recipes in there. So. <laughs> there is a lard quotient. I'm, I'm not promising this to be lard-free, <laughs> but uh, a lot of stories we get from Strange Familiars come from Pennsylvania Dutchman. I have a fairly complete back issue collection. I'm missing a few here and there, but it's such an excellent source for folklore. And this particular issue... This is volume one, number 16, from 1949. It's like a newspaper mm-hmm. at this point. You know, it's like a it's newsprint. But this has John George Homan, Man of Many Parts, and it tells about the author of The Long Lost Friend. And in fact, when we did our show on John Homan, when this was our main source, this article. Yeah, and then it led to um, some of the being able to find some of the more primary source material in the census and stuff from the clues that we got here. Yeah. Yeah, so it's an excellent article on John George Homan. There's other articles in there. There's an article on funeral customs and some other kind of folklore. And There's an article on the angst family, which we found interesting. <laughs> yeah, so these are not easy to find. Usually you find them in lots if you find them at all, and they're quite expensive. But I happen to have an extra copy of this particular issue. So we are making that the curiosity of the week. If you go to the show notes... For this episode at strangefamiliars.com, you will see an image of this. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase this and a few other curiosities of the week that we have left and a lot of old photos Allison has added. Antique photography section is beefed up at the Etsy shop. Is swall the right word? I don't think it is. (laughs) I don't know. Let's go ahead and say it is. (laughs) We have Strange Familiars t-shirts there. Somehow we still have all sizes small through 3XL right now. Get them while they're hot. There's some original artwork there from me. I might be adding an original Bigfoot piece, a small watercolor sometime soon, but there's original art in there. There's prints of my artwork. You can get all of my books there when you get them from our Etsy shop. They come signed. Our shop name is Lost Grave. If you type in Strange Familiars, you should see our stuff pop up. The mugs are sold out, so if you didn't get one, I'm sorry. We'll see about doing some in the future. But the initial run is sold out for now. The Strange Familiars long sleeve tour shirts. I put the design. There might be one more small little tweak we do to the design, but it's basically done the design. And if you're a Strange Familiars patron, you got to see the design so far because I put it up in the Strange Familiars Discord. So we will be taking pre-orders for those very soon. I will announce it again on the show. You will have time to pre-order. We will keep pre-orders open for a week or two anyway. So we will definitely announce it. You will know about it. It will be at strangefamiliars.com probably where you pre-order because I don't think we can do pre-orders on Etsy. Super excited about the design. Long sleeve shirt. People often ask about the quote at the beginning of the episode. It's got the quote on it down the the left sleeve. Uh, The right sleeve says Strange Familiars. The back is the tour shirt with all the locations of the Strange Familiars High Strangeness Tour. So it's got Toad Road and Gazoo's Woods and Harry Springs and Pandemonium and all those places that we love to go. Site 7, of course, is on there. Bigfoot illustration on the back as well. Bigfoot in the graveyard and a new take on the Awoken Tree. Now, on the front, it has an owl. So I'm super excited about this shirt. 
we will begin pre-orders very soon. Keep an eye on strangefamiliars.com. Again, I'll announce it on the show so you will have time to pre-order it. We will be doing long sleeve t-shirts and hoodies as well. Same design. The owl in the front will be moved to the breast area of the hoodie, of the zipper hoodie. So there will be hoodie options and there will be long sleeve t-shirt options for this new design. Again, we will have, you know, some of these on hand, but the best way to make sure you get your size and to make sure you get one is to pre-order it. While you're on Etsy, make sure to check out Chad Shop. It's Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. I know he added a bunch of new stuff recently. And check out our friends at Karmic Garden. They're always adding new stuff. I am on Monster Fuzz. I believe I'll be on Friday's show, the Mini Fuzz. I just came on towards the end and told a short story that has nothing to do with the paranormal but they mentioned Bethlehem, Pennsylvania at, at some point. And I said, oh, I, I have a Bethlehem, Pennsylvania story. So I came on and told a, a story from my music touring days to the Fuzz Lords. So if you want to check that out, I think, like I said, I think that'll be on this week's mini Fuzz, Monster Fuzz podcast. Allison, where are you appearing this week? Uh, probably somewhere between the kitchen and the living room. Will you have a blanket wrapped around you? I have one wrapped around me now, and I don't plan on I don't plan on taking that off till it's usually like about a mid-April kind of thing. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week. We will be back soon with more strange familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Hey, that's my band. <laughs> if you want to hear more or purchase music by Stonebreath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. You can also get Strange Familiar's episode 300 there, The Witch Cloud. That's also on Etsy, by the way. You can purchase it either place. Strange Familiar's is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiar's gathering group. We are on Instagram at strangefamiliars, one word, And you can always find us on the web at www.strangefamiliars.com.
my banjo ring and this song I sing is my offering and it's all I can give Siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on menards.com for all the great deals happening now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.